You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 108, Multitrack Recording. Hello and welcome to episode 108 of You Don't Know Flat. Although it's somewhat difficult to call them episodes when I only release one a year. Uh, last year I only did one episode of You Don't Know Flack. I don't know what happened to the podcast. It kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, I got busy with stuff. I have two kids now in elementary school, and uh, I changed jobs last year, and so I had a lot of different things going on, and the podcast kind of fell by the wayside, but I want to get it going again this year, and so so I'm going to try and do that, and this is the first episode of 2010. The uh, Have we decided... What the tins are called? Are these the teens now? The the teens, the tins. I avoided that for ten years, the whole last decade. I never I saw those called the knots, the aughts. I just kind of avoided that. I like the nineties and the eighties. I, I understood what that was, and I I can't wait for the twenties. But I guess right now we have the uh, the teens or the tens, whatever they are. So this is the first uh, podcast of the of the teens of two thousand ten. Now I know historically you don't know Flack is kind of. Uh, revolved around technical topics and uh, this month's topic is going to be technical once we get around to it but um, this month I'm going to talk about music recording recording music and I'm going to talk about the technical aspects of that Um, I'm talking about PC recording recording music on your home computer how that's kind of evolved uh, my personal experiences with doing that over the last gosh 15 years now so we're going to go ahead and get started talking about uh, PC-based music recording and the technical aspects and some of the challenges and stuff like that. So I think um, a lot of you guys, and it's not um, particularly retro, but it's uh, something I've working, been working on lately, recently, is doing some recording. And I'm going to talk more about the technical aspects, so I hope you find that part of it interesting. And really, this is just something to get the podcast back going. And Next month, I've already written an outline uh, for a show about the 1541 Ultimate, the Ultimate 1541, the Commodore 64 peripheral, the new uh, disk drive, emulated disk drive, I guess. Um, that's going to be next month's show, but but right now I've got music on the brain, so that's what we're going to talk about this month. The um, Back in the mid-90s, so this is uh, taking a trip back. I, I was actually I was working at Pizza Hut, and I had a friend that worked there, who gave me a tape of a band called The Hard Boys. I've found um, one or two references to this tape since the internet, since I got on the internet. Uh, so it must have been just, you know, very low numbers. There was actually, the friend that gave me a copy of the tape said that it was a local band, but I, I don't believe that's true anymore. Uh, anyway, I heard this this tape called The Hard Boys, and it was just, uh, it's really raunchy, dirty, you know, type humor, vulgar songs. But what I found most intriguing about it is the more you listen to it, you realize that it's really just a, a one-man project. The drums, in particular, you can tell have been programmed or from a keyboard or a drum machine, something like that. And then it has guitars and bass overlaid, and then there are, of course, vocals. 
and it, I mean it's done quite well. It it sounds you know just like a like any other album you might pick up. So I thought it was a funny album, and I thought it was a, a funny idea. But even more so, what I liked was the fact that it was all done by one person. And so this kind of uh, I think that's where I got this bug that I wanted to record my own album. I think I got that copy of the Hard Boys album in 1994, and so the wheels started turning right around that same time. I started putting this um, plan in motion to start recording music. Now, at this time, uh, PC recording, well, Sound Blaster, sound cards had only been out for, what, just, uh, you know, three or four years at that point, and there really wasn't any good software, certainly not any that I had, uh, and nothing that was available for free for multi-track recording. So I ended up buying a Fostex four-track recorder. Now, a four-track recorder is a multi-track recorder, and what multi-track means is that you can record multiple times, and it doesn't erase your previous tracks. And a, a four-track recorder obviously lets you record up to four tracks. So that's enough to be able to put one track of drums one track for guitar, one track for bass, and then one track for vocals. A lot of people use them, you know, if they're just laying down rough ideas, stuff like that. Now there is a technique you can also use, um, I've seen it referred to as ping-ponging, but basically what you could do is you could take three tracks and mix it down to the fourth track. And so you kind of like compress those three tracks. Now once you've done that, you can't go back and edit anything on them. You've compressed them down. But when you do that and you get everything on a one track, now you have another three additional tracks. Basically the idea is that you have four tracks to work with. And So once I I had this idea that I was going to record an album, I went out and started to um, write songs and write music. Now I had kind of put the cart before the horse here because... um, I wanted to record an album, but I didn't have any music written, which is uh, kind of a backwards way. Most people don't uh, don't approach it from that, that way. And so um, even though I had decided that I wanted to record music, I didn't have any songs written. And so I went out and wrote a bunch of dumb songs. I mean, they're really, they were funny. Some of them were funny to me at the time. I think I only wrote like three or four of the songs originally. And then as I started recording more and more songs, uh, came to me. I'm looking at the set list here. Uh, there was um, Quadrophobia was actually the first song that I recorded on the four track at all. And of course quad meaning four um, and phobia being afraid of going forward with this project. <laughs> but um, the uh, uh, so the idea of Quadrophobia was it really was just an experiment to see how this thing used and um, uh, here here's um just a few seconds of this of the song. I'm I'm gonna throw in a lot of sound samples on this one, so just so you can get some ideas of what's going on. So here's a few seconds of quadrophobia. So if you repeat that for about three minutes, you get the idea of um, uh, what the song sounds like. But uh, So as an introduction to recording at that time, you could kind of um, hear some different things going on in that. Number one, uh, if you're going to record guitar-oriented music, you're going to need drums. And that was my number one hurdle. Um, I play guitar poorly on a scale of 
one to ten, I usually rate myself about a two and a half. So, uh, but I did have a guitar and I had an amplifier, so that was already set up. And I actually purchased a bass guitar just for this project. It's the bass that I still play today when I play. But so I had a guitar and I had a bass. I had a ten dollar microphone from Radio Shack for doing vocals. But I didn't have any drums, and I don't know how to play the drums, and I'm terribly uncoordinated when it comes to doing different things with my with each hand and my hands and my feet or whatever. There's no way I was going to learn how to play the drums. So I actually looked around at some pawn shops for an electronic drum module or drum machine, things like that, and I ran across uh, a Yamaha, I think it's called a DD5, I think it was, uh, at a garage sale for $5. They had these four... Uh, pads on top that you could hit with drumsticks, but it also had it had built-in uh, drum patterns, just like a, a cheesy keyboard or whatever. And so that's that's the drums that basically I used uh, for the majority. Like, if you would call it like the first wave of songs I recorded, all my drums were done with that. Like I said, I had to sit down. Uh, you know, once I had this idea that I was going to record an album, I knew I was going to need songs. So I sat down and started writing all these goofy songs. The first one that I wrote was. Uh, this song called You Never Told Me You Were a Leper, which was kind of, uh, that's what I ended up calling uh, the album was You Never Told Me. Uh, but it was just a, a, a dumb, a silly song. There's, I had, uh, I wrote a song about Taco Bell. Uh, I wrote a song called Don't Take My Picture, which was, um, uh, it was kind of based on this friend of mine. We had to do a project and he needed his picture taken and he didn't want his he didn't want to take the picture, and then we we started thinking about you know just celebrities uh, that didn't want their pictures taken. Uh, here, you know what? I'm gonna throw a few seconds of that on again. Now, again, remember uh, when you're listening to this, keep in mind uh, that I was only able to use four tracks. So if you listen, you'll hear uh, one track of vocals, one track of guitar, one track of bass, and then you'll hear the the horrible Yamaha drum machine. Uh, clicking away in the background so here's a few seconds of uh, don't take my picture classic don't take my picture please uh never charted turns out uh so as i started doing more and more recording throughout this process uh the whole album i think it took me about six months to record and and certainly that wasn't like six months of uh studio time or recording time it was more like i would come up with a song idea i would go home i would record it in you know four hours or whatever and I mean, from start to finish, writing a song, performing it, recording it, done. Uh, and then I would, you know, as many of my projects go, it would go on the back burner until uh, I came up with the idea for another song. And uh, when OJ was convicted, I wrote a song about the, the it's called The Ballad of OJ. And so as these different things were going on, uh, I would I would write, you know, songs. Uh, one, there's one goofy song on the, the my first album 
called Mad Melon, and I was sitting around um, drinking watermelon schnapps, a brand called Mad Melon, and, and my friend Jeff had come over, and so we sat down, and, and when I say sat down and wrote a song, that really that encompasses about 30 seconds of, of uh, time we put into this, but uh, so, you know, as, as time, you know, over the next few months, I would write these little things. But since this process took six months to put all these songs together, I was actually making technological advances at the same time. You know, I was learning uh, more about how the four track work, but I was also learning more about doing uh, music, you know, incorporating the computer and the recording process. In fact, um, the last song on the album is a song called Jack Flack, which was um, my online alias. And basically what I did was to do this song. Uh, now, you have to think, remember this is 1994. So this is pre-DVD. This is pre-MP3. Uh, you know, there's, uh, well, I mean, not. I'm not going to say they weren't invented, but... Uh, uh, you know, we weren't, we were using wave files and stuff. And so I had gone, I'd found, uh, actually what I had done was I had a VCR. I had a VHS copy of cloak and dagger, which, uh, is a, uh, old kind of computery spy movie. And there's a, uh, Dabney Coleman plays a fictional character named Jack Flack in the movie. And so what I did was I plugged my VCR into the computer and I recorded, all these wave samples from the movie. Um, the other thing that I did was at, I started, I came up with this idea. I mean, I didn't invent the idea, but uh, actually I stole the idea from the uh, early rappers and MCs from the early 80s that were taking um, break beats, which are uh, like drum samples from songs where there's no other music or, or lyrics going on. And these uh, uh, early DJs would take these break beats and then just loop them over and over, and then rappers would rap over the top of them. So I, I kind of came up with the same idea because I, I was really frustrated with this uh, cheesy drum machine that I was using, and I thought, you know, what better way to have real-sounding drums than just to get real drums? So that's what I ended up doing. So I started going through all my... Uh, uh, CDs and, and tapes at that time and I found uh, this song uh, Flat, the song uh, I used the opening drum sample from Devo's Whip It so uh, I'll play just a, a little snippet of this but so when you hear this think about Devo's uh, the song Whip It uh, right before the guitars come in where it goes dun 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 uh, there's this uh, drum loop at the beginning so I took that sample and I looped it uh, so this uh, again, think about this. This musical sample has four tracks. It has uh, one track of guitar, one track of bass, and then instead of vocals, I put all these samples from the movie Cloak and Dagger. And then the fourth track was this loop drum beat, which I just looped uh, infinitely on the computer and fed it in, you know, to the four track. And so I would play, you know, I would play the uh, drum beat and play the guitar over it. Uh, and that was two of my tracks, and then I would go back after I was done with that and lay over the bass and, and um, do the samples. Now again, uh, it wasn't like I didn't have a, a MIDI keyboard, I didn't have any way to trigger these samples. I had to go play them one at a time with the uh, default Windows Wave player. So I would play one, and then I would rewind you know, my tape and go back and then uh, cue it up and then play another sample. And I had to go put every one of these samples in the song manually, but Anyway, here's a little snippet from the song, uh, Jack Flat. I am ten times as many bullets as Jack Flat. I am ten times as many bullets as Jack Flat. 
Like the first song I mentioned, if you just um, imagine that repeating for about five minutes, you get the idea of that song. You know, I used such a small drum sample that most people didn't recognize where I stole that from. And, uh, you know, it made the, the recording sound so much better. So, And so that was my first attempt at music recording. Now, like I said, this started um, maybe in late 94 or possibly early 95. I didn't really finish everything until, um, I want to say it was the summer... Uh, the spring, maybe, let's say, of 1996. Now, uh, in the fall of 96, I uh, took another. I took a job, and I moved uh, halfway across the country. So before I did this, I wanted to to um, get this project finished. So uh, I, I finished up the album. I put all 12 songs on there. I got a, a cheap boombox that had dual um, uh, cassette bays in it and I made 30 copies of the album and I I sold them to uh, people that I knew online and my friends and stuff and pretty much it got two responses one was that it was horrible and the other was people just wouldn't tell me anything about it which I think uh, means it's horrible so at at that point I really realized that uh, I wasn't necessarily good (laughs) as far as uh, performers go Uh, obviously the the vocals on the album were uh, atrocious but I also learned that it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed recording, and I enjoyed um, the technical challenges that came. And now a lot of people will will say, you know, they'll ask you, like, well, how do you do recording? And it's it's almost the same as, like, asking someone, you know, oh, well, you know, how do you hack into stuff? Or, you know, how do you program? Or what's the best programming language? It's really difficult questions to answer because a lot of it comes down to what equipment do you have? How much are you willing to spend? Um, you know, how much time do you want to invest? Uh, you know, and, and what's the what's the end audience? You know, if you're trying to do this for, you know, to get a record deal or something, well, you might want to spend a little bit more money. Now, of course, a record label is going to have you uh, most likely re-record your album in their studio anyway. So, you know, if you're just doing it for fun or whatever, nowadays just having a PC is, is really all you need. So, uh, now... When I when I moved to uh, Spokane, Washington in '96, I uh, started a music magazine while I was there, and uh, through this music magazine, I met a lot of local musicians, and I ended up spending a lot of time in um, uh, recording studios when I was up there. And I really found that uh, the technical aspects of recording very interesting, and so um, uh, we were there for about a year and a half. And when I moved back, I met up with a friend of my wife's who owned his own music uh, recording studio here in in Oklahoma and so I started hanging out at the studio like every night I would go to the studio this is before uh, we had kids or anything and I would hang out there all the time and and uh, help out with the recording process and I remember at the time the guy that owned the studio was telling me that he had he had taken out a fifty thousand dollar loan to buy all the equipment in the studio and and uh, that that gave him the ability to record 24 tracks at a time compared to you know my little four track. Then he had all these different effects, like a box that would do reverb and a, a box that would do this or that, you know. And but they were all physical uh, rack mounted effects, you know. And right around that same time, I started. Uh, there were several multi track programs that were available, and some some were free, but most of them weren't at that time. Uh, but I ended up 
getting uh, maybe a year or two after that getting um, uh, Vegas, which um, now is Sony Sony Vegas. Uh, Sony bought uh, the company that that made Vegas, but. Vegas was originally two different products. It was uh, Video Vegas for video editing, and then there was a uh, Audio Vegas. And now it's it's been combined into to one product. And I, I actually started, I think, with Vegas Two, and I think they're uh, up to seven, eight, something like that. Uh, I think I have Vegas Seven, but I think there is an eight or maybe even a nine out now. But um, and it was uh, Sonic Foundry was the people who originally made it. The same people that made uh, SoundForge and. So it's a really good product. It doesn't have as many audio tricks or effects built in as something like Pro Tools or something like that, you know. But for for down and dirty multi-track recording and putting in plugins and stuff, you can actually do an awful lot with Video Vegas. And so, um, you know, after spending time with uh, in my friend's studio, I, I really got this bug again, you know. But I I had learned so many new techniques and stuff, and now I had uh, the multi-track software Vegas on my computer and so that lifted the limitation I had of four tracks before on the computer you could have as many tracks as your computer will handle and of course that's really limited by how much RAM you have how fast your hard drive is things like that actual physical things so uh, you know even back then you could do six seven eight tracks without having any problems and so you can play around with it and if you decide it's something you want to pursue more seriously you can you know add add to your machine you know the machine that I'm recording on now is a <laughs> I mean, it's a junker. I got off of Craigslist. I think I paid 150 bucks. It's an old Dell, um, and it has four gig of RAM in it and a, a SATA hard drive, and that's it. You know, and in fact, I'm using the onboard uh, sound card right now, which um, a lot of professionals will tell you is not going to give you very good quality, and it probably doesn't give me the best quality. But you know, for the audience I have right now, which is uh, you guys, it's good enough. But uh. So when I got Vegas, I started um, getting back into recording. You know, I, I hadn't recorded anything in several years. And um, let me pull up some samples here. This is actually one of the first songs that I recorded in Vegas. So you can hear a big quality improvement um, in just a few years. Now this is basically my first attempt at PC multi-track recording and I think now um, one difference you heard in that is that there are two guitars playing at the same time versus just one guitar which really um, gives you a much uh, beefier sound. Also the other thing that should be immediately obvious is the quality of the drums. Now like I said drums have been a constant battle. Uh, throughout all, all the recordings that I've done in 15 years uh, because I don't know how to play the drums. So 
Uh, I have experimented with um, doing drum. Well, I I started with the drum machine. I went to sampling other people's drums. Then I moved to using programs like Fruit Loops, where you can, or Fruity Loops, where you can um, program in your drums, uh, like into a sequencer, you know, which um, gives you a lot of freedom, but it's kind of tedious, you know, if you're going to go do a, a four or five minute song and to go program in every kick drum and every snare and, and if you want to do little fills and stuff. And plus it's it's pretty, um, uh, you know, once you set your tempo, it's hard to speed things up, slow it down or whatever. So it takes a, um, a lot. It's not just like, not like when I first started recording where I could just sit down and, and loop a drum track and play over it and be done with a song in five or ten minutes. You know, this actually um, takes a little bit of effort. There were, um, around that same time, this is uh, um, still PlayStation 1. This is late in the PlayStation 1 era. Um, there were a lot of games that were coming out. Like uh, I remember Destruction Derby in particular. There were several that had like these uh, hard rock kind of uh, soundtracks with no vocals or whatever. And so I, I was just kind of inspired by that. So I wrote a lot of songs at that time that were... Um, uh, just, you know, kind of hard rock songs with no vocals that I thought um, maybe... This is one... Uh, a friend of mine was actually working on a karate game at the time, and so uh, this is a, a song that I wrote that was going to be used in his game. Unfortunately, I never finished the game, but uh, uh, anyway, this was called uh, uh, Karate. As you can see on a lot of those those types of songs, I would I would just write you know one basic riff and then loop it throughout the song, and then that way, um, uh, you know, it could be looped. If I was gonna, if someone was gonna use it uh, in a game, it could be looped in the game. Nobody's ever used any of my music in any game ever, but um, you know, just in case that were to happen, that's why I did that. Now another thing you hear on that song that you haven't heard before is keyboards. And again, I don't own uh, any keyboards, but uh, Audio Vegas has plugins for you know computer-based keyboards, and so I was able to just add some some simple keys you know over that to give it kind of a a, a futuristic fighting game you know type sound or whatever. But um, now the way to get these sounds into your computer is uh, something I've done differently throughout the years. When I first started. I plugged everything directly into my sound card. So, you know, I would just go to Radio Shack and and go through the adapter aisle and buy enough adapters so that I could plug anything into anything. I could plug a quarter-inch guitar jack into an eighth-inch headphone jack into an RCA jack and, you know, I'd buy male and female of all these things and three or four of each ones. And eventually you end up with a big pile of, of adapters that allow you to plug anything into anything. Uh, and of course, that gave me a really terrible guitar sound. Uh, you know, you don't get um, a lot of dynamics. You don't get any of that the action, you know, from the the amplifier itself. And then when I started hanging out in music studios, I saw how the they really do it in studios. And I had heard this term called miking an amp, but I didn't realize that it actually meant literally 
placing a microphone in front of an amplifier. And it's a, a terribly time-consuming process that involves, you know, a lot of uh, science and and calculations. And then, uh, you know, you, you might move a microphone an inch to the left or to the right, depending on what kind of sound you're trying to get. If you want a natural reverb, you might put another microphone in a different part of the room. Uh, and then once you have this set up, you cannot move the microphone ever or, or you know, change any settings or whatever. Uh, which, you know, when you have a studio set up in your, your bedroom or your computer room isn't really feasible. So uh, I did experiment with that for a while, but I finally found a third option, which is um, everything I do now, I went and bought, uh, well, actually I bought a very expensive mixing board that turned out to be way overkill. And now I use, um, in fact, it's the mixing board I'm using right now for my podcast, is a, a little uh, four-channel Behringer, uh, mixing board. I think I paid about $40 for it. It has uh, uh, two XLR inputs, which are like the kind that you see on professional uh, microphones and things like that, uh, that are powered. So my microphone right now is plugged directly into that. I also have, um, it has quarter inch jacks, which is like uh, what you, uh, what's a standard uh, guitar cable. So I can plug those in here. And then I have adapters for um, anything that would be, uh, uh, RCA cables to get if I need to get that in or out or whatever but but basically so now that I can plug everything into that this goes directly into the computer and I don't have to mess with plugging or unplugging anything into the computer I can do basic EQing uh, here on the board but most of that I do inside the computer now so when I got this mixing board you know it gave me even more freedom and I also bought um, Mine is a Behringer V-amp, but the the most popular model is a Line 6. Um, but these are guitar cabinet modelers or simulators, and what they do is they work just like an amplifier, um, but they have been, they electronically create sounds of different people. So, like the, the Behringer V-amp here, uh, I can turn, tune in, you know, for heavy metal lead guitar and the sound that comes out of the other end of this sounds just like that without actually having to have a, a real amplifier and a bunch of speakers so I can plug my guitar into this pick you know 60's blues guitarist and have the other side come out and go into my mixing board and have that go into the computer um, so I can I mean the the things I've been recording lately are completely silent if I wear headphones I can record you know in the middle of the night nobody can hear me recording so that has been a big advancement. The other thing is, uh, I have got better with with Fruit Loops um, and drum programming and stuff. Like I said, it's it's tedious to learn it at the beginning, but but what you can do is sit down and actually listen to other songs and and listen to like how a drummer actually performs, and you can kind of emulate that, you know, by programming in um, different fields or whatever. So when I got this mixing board, I sat down to record. Whenever I get new equipment, I always sit down and try to record uh, cover tunes. And I pick, I just go through my hard drive and I pick, uh, usually they're goofy 80s songs. It's something that I know well enough. Um, and so when I got this mixing board, I opened up my directory of random 80s singles. And one of the first songs I found was... Um, Flock of Seagulls, I Ran, which um, most of you are probably familiar with. So I sat down and uh, I went through, it took me probably about an hour or so, and I programmed in all the drums uh, from I Ran and um, 
using my uh, uh, guitar sim. No, I don't think I. No, I actually on this. Uh, I this is before I had my Behringer V amp, so I plugged directly into the board and got a clean signal. And then once I had that signal into the computer, I used plugins in uh, Vegas to make it sound like an amplified guitar. So here's a just a little bit of uh, uh, my cover version of the Flock of Seagulls I read. thing when I recorded that. I don't know where I came up with the idea to add that little guy screaming Iran, but it just made me laugh and so I threw it in there. That's one fun thing about doing your own recording. You can just you know, try ideas and if they don't work, just delete them and start over. I should probably delete most of what I do actually, but um, uh, so that was Iran and, and that you know, I uploaded that to a few forums I was on at the time and um, a lot of people got a kick out of it, so so I'm still using um, Vegas after all this time, although um, there is a, a new, I don't remember the name of it, I'll, I'll add the link to the website, but there's a, uh, what's well, not new, um, but there is a Pro Tools alternative that is free and Linux based that I'm really considering moving to. I think the uh, hardware requirements are a lot lower than it is for um, a Windows based PC as well. so. I'm kind of considering moving to that, but um, th the big changes now, um, one of the things I've started doing is downloading these um, collections of drum tracks, and people have put together all different sorts of drum tracks that you can download, and then um, kind of similar idea, I guess, to um, GarageBand for the Mac. This is a little more manual process, but you could go in and... Um, put together drum tracks uh, and it'll have several different variations like it'll have the regular track and then it'll have a track with the fill it'll have a track with with uh, symbols added and you know different things like that so you can kind of uh, mix and match these granimal style and come up with a fairly realistic sounding uh, drum track for a song now it's not as uh, it doesn't give you as much freedom as programming them in with Fruit Loops but on the other hand, I put together, um, I just recently, well, I'll throw this on here too. I just recently recorded a uh, cover version of, uh, a punk cover version of Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf. And uh, I haven't put any vocals on it yet. If there's anybody that would like to put vocals on that song, let me know and I will send you the, uh, the raw tracks. But, um, you know, I was able to to use these drum tracks that I downloaded and kind of mix them and match them around, and uh, I put the drum track together in two or three minutes versus having to program it all in, you know, over a couple of hours. So um, here's just a, a smitten, a smitten, a smidge, a smudge, a tiny bit, a smorsel of um, the punk version of "Hungry Like the Wolf" that I've been working on. 
actually listen closely to the background of that, there are some very, very faint vocals because I was um, uh, screaming along doing goofy voices while I was recording, and I guess the um, uh, guitar pickup actually picked up my voice. But, um, yeah, there, there are no official vocals for that at this point. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, as you hear, that sounds like a guitar that you would hear, you know, at a concert. Or, I mean, not obviously played as proficiently, but... Um, you know, the sound, it sounds like a real guitar in a real room. There's reverb and, and all sorts of modeling and stuff that you can do. And, and that's just done through this little box. So that's been a, a great addition. I think my VM cost me uh, about a hundred dollars when I bought it. And, uh, I, before I had a, a crate half stack, which was a, uh, it had a crate head for my amplifier. And then I had a gigantic box with four 12 inch, um, speakers in it. And uh, I, you know, I got rid of all that and replaced it with this little box that sits on my desk. Um, so definitely worth it for for PC-based recording. You know, now uh, several companies like PV and um, oh gosh, there's uh, several of them now. I think even Behringer has one. Have um, plug-in software-based versions of this exact same box. So now you can do this with all you know, all with software. So it's kind of been this this um, pattern throughout the years of everything that I had that I started with that was physical from the the four track recorder to the the amplifiers uh, everything has been slowly ported over to the PC and a lot of these things are available for free um, now I, I'll, I'm gonna play one other interesting thing and, and go easy on the drums because actually um, my son uh, Mason who's eight years old performed the drums on this next track um, and this was just a very very simple experiment i was playing around with the the recording uh software and showing mason how it worked but uh so we recorded just the the intro of uh boys don't cry by the cure but what's interesting on this is mason actually played the drums on his ipod using uh a software program called toy drum i believe that was uh, available for 99 cents in the online store and it's basically you know a, a drum pad that you play with the touch screen and so Here's just a, a few seconds of uh, our version of uh, Boys Don't Cry. And so uh, we actually did two um, digital tracks of the drums. The first Mason just played a kick snare over and over, boom, ba, boom, ba, and then we went back in. And the second time he played the uh, hi-hat and added the cymbals in. And um, once he was done with that, I put in two tracks of uh, guitars and um, uh, one with the uh, the chords and one with that, that little lead part. Uh, and it turned out okay, but really it was just a proof of concept to, you know, start looking at these other ways, you know, using the iPod uh, for drums or, uh, you know, just experimenting with stuff. And that's, like I said, once you've... Um, like I like I was talking about buying all those adapters. Once you could connect anything to anything, uh, you know you can use anything as an input for drums. There's actually uh, an MT. It was a program put out by MTV for the PlayStation that was a drum machine. And uh, I have a, a good friend, uh, my friend Earl, who runs um, thelogbook.com, has done a lot of his music using that as uh, you know the the main primary source for his drums. So you can you can uh, do music with anything like that. But now, uh, like I said, the the uh, multi-track software, the 
all the the plugins that are out there the modelers uh, really have replaced basically every in fact um i basically i rarely use the eq settings on my uh mixing board anymore just because i have um, an eq and i have mixers that are all based in the computer so uh, that's that's where i do most of my settings I'm going to leave you here with a song that I recorded for Block Party for 2009, which is a computer uh, demo party that has a big competition where people can enter artwork and programs and, and um, music. And so I, I I knew that it was something that uh, I wanted to... That I knew that it wasn't something I could win, but uh, which is people say well that's not the attitude but that was the reality is I knew I couldn't win it but um, it was something that I could enter so I put together this track and it's called um, You Can't Handle the Commodore now one thing I want you to do when you listen to this is compare this back to those early tracks the muddy terrible ones you know with the drum track uh, I did the drum track on this uh, I sampled from some break beats um, some of the sounds you'll hear in here are um modem tones and and phone dialing tones that I put into the computer and tweaked around during the chorus you'll also hear this kind of brrr, this rattling sound which is a sample from a um, Commodore 64 disk drive head banging up against uh, uh, doing a head bang which is what it did uh, the lyrics were you know you probably wouldn't think are very funny I, I'll, I'll put a link to the lyrics uh, on the website if you want to read along uh, they're funny if you uh, are a dork and you like 1980s retro computer technology, which I'm assuming some of you do. Um, so, and those of you that like that have probably already heard this song. <laughs> but um, uh, so you know, it was funny. It was for a, a specific audience, and I ended up placing seventh out of 15 songs, which is at least seven or eight positions higher than I thought I was going to. I really, once I heard the, all the other, the competition, I thought they were so good. Uh, and mine was a completely different style. I don't know that any of the other songs uh, out of the other 15 had vocals. So it, you know, I, I kind of went into it blind. I just did my own thing. So I, you know, I was glad that I placed where I did and um, I did better than I thought I would. So anyway, um, this is kind of a culmination of all the digital recording things that I've have put together over the last few years. So uh, I'm gonna leave you with this song, and then um, tune in. Check back next month in March. And hopefully, you you read the the blog at robohair.com every single day uh, because there are updates almost every single day. But if you don't, uh, be sure and check back in March, and we'll be putting the new episode of You Don't Know Flack online. So until then. Uh, thank you guys for tuning back in, and um, let's do this again. If you want to email me, uh, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. The website's robohara.com. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, see you next month. And here is um, the parting shot. You can't handle the Commodore. Listen up, kids. Time to put down the Wiimo. Drop the 32 bits. Hop in a Mimo. Talking trash like a Paul Kim C. A push with a face like the ninja from Bruce Lee. My kid is the son of an 8-bit. Fun of a 64 is where I sit. I like to battle, but I won't bark on. I'll toast your ass like the Phoenix from Archon. I'm great at a million games, man. When you were in diapers, I 
was cleaning up wasteland. Summer games, winter games, world games too. California games, during the summertime blues. Wanna play? Well, bring a DB night stick. I got an old Emmett that I kick your ass with. Want mercy? Well, you better start wishing. You beat me as an impossible mission. Like hero, I'm about to fly. With a disc notcher, I'll use your backside. Like load runner, you'll drop your load. Then I'll pick up your package of gold. You're a headbanger, cause you bang drives head. You're a zombie, and you're already dead. Cause I'm a serial killer with a serial cable. You're retarded. Or should I say disabled? It's my pitfall, know what to do. Take notes, jump, and I'll give you a clue. You gotta jump over logs, swing on the vines, and then you gotta uh-oh, out of time. Well, this battle's over. I'm already won. Cause you come in last. I come in eight, come one. Feel lucky? Wanna test your ability? Get you with an ice pick. You can't handle the 